Who are you imitating? James 5, verse 1, says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And so I've been reading, actually, through the book of James for the past couple of weeks, and that was just one thing that just, you know, you've read it before, and we've read the word before, but that just hit. Be imitators of God. And then I started asking, okay, how does God talk? How does God love? How does God act? How does God forgive? Like, really digging into the scriptures of, like, if I'm going to imitate God, I have to know how he acts. And so the first, the first uh, scripture I want to dive into is Psalms chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. And I'm going to be reading this from the, the NLT translation. And it says, The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. But God who rules in heaven laughs. So how are we responding when people plotting are plotting against us? Can we laugh? Because we're seated in heavenly places with him. If he sits in the heavens and laughs, then how am I supposed to be? I'm not supposed to be worried, fearful, stressful. He's up there. It says they're plotting against him. Now, you know, we go, oh, well, that's God. Okay, but I'm his child. I have his spirit. I'm also seated in heavenly places with him. So how am I supposed to react? Laugh. That's how I'm supposed to react. But it also said, you know, when I mentioned people like, oh, well, that's God. I'm supposed to imitate God. Because we just said be imitators of God as dear children. So I'm supposed to act how he acts. I'm supposed to do what he does. And if he's laughing, I'm supposed to be laughing. I'm not supposed to be like, oh, my gosh, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? They're doing this. They're plotting this. They're saying this. Laugh. He says laugh. And then also going to um, John 16, 33. Sorry, I did not have this open. But going to John 16, I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version and the Amplified. And in the New King James Version, it says... These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The Amplified says, be filled with joy. There's a sound for joy. There's a laughter for joy. You know someone's joyful. They've got joy. And, you know, we sing a song uh, that says, I've got joy in the struggle. I've got peace in the storm. So no matter what circumstances are going on, I'm supposed to have joy. I'm supposed to be cheerful. I'm supposed to be good cheer. So, and like Pastor Mary says, we have to check what's our immediate response. That immediate when things happen, your first reaction. Because if it's not joy, then it's like, oh, there's something in my, I got to check to make sure I'm not full of the word the way I should be, I'm not full of faith the way I should be. It says, am I laughing? Do I have joy or is it fear? What's my response? Am I following God and being joyful or am I following the devil and having fear? And if you think about it, you've ever seen um, a fight in a movie 
and the one person, there's two people fighting, and the one person just starts laughing, like you're getting ready to fight, and they just start laughing, that person then realizes their opponent, I just messed up, because if we're about to fight and you're laughing, I've just dealt with someone who's a little bit crazy, and I've just messed up. So imagine if the devil's throwing things at us and we're laughing, he'd be like, wait a minute, hold on. Did I just pick the wrong person to mess with? Because they're not scared. They're not fearful. They're laughing in my face, which tells him they're not afraid of me. They're not intimidated by me. Like you're laughing. And then he gets mad because like, how you going to laugh at me? And I'm trying to do something to you. Like, how you going to laugh at me like that? Amen. You know, and people get even, you know, even in the natural, people get madder when you start laughing at them and they're upset and you're just like, <laughs> like, you really want to start this? Like, do you just know who you mess with? But we also have to know who we are. I have to know I'm seated in heavenly places. I have to know I'm above everything with Christ. I have to know greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God is on my side. So when I know all that, <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's cute. Oh, you thought, oh, you thought that was going to work? That's funny. Because God can turn it off, my good. So what, what am I stressed about? What am I worried about? Let me just laugh my way. Laugh my way right on through. Yes. And then Matthew uh, 4, verses 1 through 11. Because we're going to look at how Jesus responded. Because again, people will be like, oh, that was just, that was God. And we're his children. We have his spirit. Like we're created in his image and we are to act the way that he acts. We are to do what he does. So Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read it out of the uh, New Living Tra Translation. And it said, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. That's not a... No, that's a no. The scripture says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Right. And the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, which means he knows he is, yeah. mm -hmm. jump off, for the scripture says, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their heads, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. So that shows us Satan knows scripture. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Satan knows scripture. But look how Jesus responds. The scripture also says, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it to you all, he said, if you kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So Jesus responded with scripture. Dealing with the devil himself. And said, no, scripture says, scripture says, scripture says. And he when St. Grave gave a half scripture. But it also says, because I remember, um, and many of you may have heard this if you've been in church for any amount of time. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We've all heard that, right? Yeah, right. How many of us knew at that time that's only half of the scripture? And it's the second half. The first half says, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
So if I'm not submitting myself to God, which is where my power and authority comes from, I cannot fight off the devil and have him flee from me. So that's why it's so important to know the whole word of the scripture. Because right. we just saw Satan quoted scripture. Right. And Jesus had to be like, no, 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 no. There's more to that. Right. It also says. And you see, he didn't. And we were just in it. It's so perfect that we sang that song, Roar. Because there was no. With the first no, there's an exclamation point behind that. There's a difference between no and no. There, there's a difference in that. One of them's got a little more authority than the other one. Yes. And it's going to get your attention and be like, oh, okay, hold on. So even when we're responding to temptation and circumstances, are we responding? Well, it is written that, no, get some bass in your voice. <laughs> you know how you drop your voice an octave when you let, gotta let your kids know you're serious and they need to stop doing what they're doing? That's how it has to be. It can't be. Well, the Lord is, you know, my shepherd, I shall not want. No, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm abundantly supplied for. I've got more than enough. I give, it will be given back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaved together, run it over. Amen. That's how we have to talk to stuff. Yes. Because they're going to keep coming until you tell them back off. Yes. Right. Right. And he has to know you mean it. Right. That's right. Because even, and I, I look at this story and I think of toddlers. When they throw tantrums, I used to deal, deal with two different classrooms. I dealt with uh, after schoolers ages like five to eight, and then I had sixth graders. And both of the teachers before me let them do whatever they want to. I don't play that. If I say something the first time, and they had to learn, but they also test you to see like, okay, is she is she for real? And then they when they all ended up having to face the wall in time out, they're like, oh, she's she's for real. Like she means what she says. And they learned real quick, oh, Miss Jones don't play around. And we have to have that same attitude when it comes to circumstances and things the devil brings. Oh, she doesn't play around. He doesn't play around. Like they really know their authority and they really know who they are and they really know they're a child of God and they're really starting to act like God. Cause they're using this authority that they have and they're standing firmly on those scriptures. And they know what the scripture says. Because even as I was reading this, I was thinking of um, when Satan tempted Eve. Eve ended up in a whole conversation with the devil. Jesus didn't have a conversation. He just said it's written. And this is what it says. Because even looking at Eve, you know, Satan asked the question, well, did God really say? She's like, oh, well, we can do this. But he said, and if we don't do this, and she gave the consequences. Does he need to know? He doesn't need to know like he doesn't already know. Because that's where the conversation started. He was like, oh, you won't die. You know, all you had to say was God said not to eat of this tree. That's it. End of story. Because as soon as we gave the, oh, this is why. Well, are you sure that's really what's going to happen? Are you sure if you don't, you know, tithe that you still won't be blessed? Are you sure that if you don't give... You know, are you sure? No, the word says give. It says tithe. It says so. That's it. That's all it says. It's, it, it, it tells me to do it. That's it. That's it. He said it. I'm obedient to the word. That is, that is it. And that is all he needs to know. Look, this is what the word says. This is what God said. Final authority. And Jesus was confident in his speaking. And even thinking about this, Jesus was dealing with Satan and had boldness. 
we deal with circumstances and get scared. Right. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm a child of the Most High God. I have the Holy Spirit living in me. Right. Why am I getting jittery over a circumstance? Right. But, then even, but then even as I was studying this too, I'm like, hold up. If, and I'm like, now, if I'm getting jittery over a circumstance, but we're also told to go and preach the gospel and lay hands on the sick and cast out devils. If a bill is getting me in fear, how am I going to do dealing with a demon-possessed man in my face? Am I still going to have? A, am I going to have that boldness to cast it out when a bill is just like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? So even you know, checking myself and I'm like, ooh, because we have to have that across the board in every area, having that boldness and authority and knowing whatever we come against, right. whatever it is, right. at the name of Jesus, right. everything's got a bow. Yes. Everything. Yes. Everything. Yes. If it's got a name, everything. Right. In the earth, under the earth, everything, yes. no matter what it is. Yes. And then also, if we're going to be imitators of God, I can't imitate someone I don't have fellowship with or don't spend time with. I can copy someone's mannerism, yes. but if I'm going to be an imitator, I have to know them. Right. I have to have a right. relationship That's with right. them. There are things right. I have to know about that person. Yes. And we're going to look at Jesus again here as an example. Mark chapter 6, verse 46. And it says, and when, it's talking about Jesus, and when he sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. And then Luke 6, 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went up to the mountain to pray and continue all night in prayer to God. And I read that one. I was like, all night? And I really thought about it. I was like, wait a minute. I've had a movie night all night. I've been up all night with friends all night. I've had like movie marathons all night. I've, you know, done writing all night. I'm like, I've done all these fleshly things all night. But why just thinking about prayer all night? Be like, oof, oof, praying all night. But why would that be any different than anything we do to feed our flesh? Because you hear people say, oh, I was up all night watching this. I was up all night watching that. Oh, I binge watched this show, which I'm guilty of. Um, you know, binge watch this show all night long. But have we ever prayed all night? Have we been in the word all night? Have we been spending time with God all night? And I was like, oof, oof. But I can think of several times where I stayed out all night. You know, done a whole bunch of fleshly things all night. But have I ever in my life done a spiritual trial? was just all night in the presence of God. All night in the word. Right. All night. I was like, mm, nope. So. <laughs> but you have to know someone. And we know him through prayer and spending time in his word. And then Matthew 14, 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. So we see Jesus had a prayer life. He spent time in prayer with the Father, in fellowship, constantly. He'd go do what he needed to do, preach, and then sent the multitudes away and went by himself to go spend time with his Father. How often do we do that? Is that, a, is that a pattern? Is that a habit in our lifestyle? We've cultivated that of just, you know what, I'm going to just shut everything out. Put the phone on mute. 
move it out the room, put it face down so you didn't even see it light up. You know, shut the door and just, I'm going to just spend time with God. I'm going to just spend time in prayer. I'm going to just spend time in the word. Because I have to know him if I'm going to imitate him. I have to know how he works. I have to know how he talks. I've got to know how he does things. I only do that through spending time in the word and through prayer and doing what he does and saying what he says. That's the only way that's going to happen. And then the next thing is we also have to forgive like God. Which means, because you hear people say, oh, I forgive, but I don't forget. Does God remember your sins? Because thank you, Jesus, he doesn't. Thank you, Jesus, that he doesn't remember my sins once I've repented. So who are we to remember when we say we forgive somebody and that we want to bring over they did 20 years ago? But I thought you forgave them. I thought you let it go. And then Luke, Luke 23, uh, 34, it says, Then Jesus said to the Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And that was on the cross. On the cross. After being whooped, whipped, a crown of thorns on his head, having to carry that cross with a back that's bleeding, nails in his hands, and not just like the little nails like that we have. It's like those spikes, those tent spikes. They start off like pointy and then they go wider as they go up. So imagine that going in your hand and then it's got to tear that wound open as the further it goes. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. It's got to tear your hand open the further in it goes. That's what he was nailed to the cross with. That's painful after everything else. And then you're going to say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Us, we'd be like, you know what, Lord, just give them. But that's why it's so important to be in the Spirit. Because when we're walking in the Spirit, we can forgive like that. And then here's the kicker. God forgave them. He forgave them. Just like that. And then Acts 7, and again, people go, oh, well, that's Jesus. Well, let's look at Stephen in Acts chapter 7, verse 16. Because again, if this is something that we see Jesus did, we should be able to do it too. We are supposed to be able to do it because anything that he tells us to do, it's not intended ever for us to do it on our own. It's never intended. We are not supposed to forgive. You can't forgive in your flesh. That's just not going to happen. Because we're just like, if somebody gets us, we're going to get them right back. Like It may, it may take some time, but I'm going to come back and get you for what you did. But that's the flesh. We have to walk right. in the spirit. The spirit says, I forgive. Right. And even when we look at uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and we talk about love, love is patient, kind, not easily angered, keeps no records of wrong. That's love. That's also forgiveness. And so Acts 7 verse 60. And for those who don't know, um, just the backstory of this, Stephen was uh, appointed by the apostles to go, you know, preach and go, and he was, they said, men filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's important to what we're about to read. And it says, then he knelt down, as he's being stoned, then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. So this wasn't a quiet voice, this was a loud voice. Lord, do not charge them with this sin. This wasn't a, as I'm dying, Lord, don't charge them with their sin. No, it was, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. 
And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, if you're stoning me, you can't say that unless you are full of the Holy Spirit and walking by the Spirit. Because even though someone's throwing rocks at you, you really want to pick one up and throw it right back. That's just her flesh your response. You get me, I get you. And even looking at Paul, there was a, a, I can't remember where in the book of Acts it is, but Paul got stoned, left for dead, and then went back in the city to preach the gospel. Like went back into the same city. Like I'd be like, you know what, forget all y'all. <laughs> I'd be like, I ain't coming back because obviously you don't want this. But Paul went back. Like that, like wow. But that's how the church is supposed to be. That's how we're supposed to be. And even in the fact that even as I was reading this again and looking at what Stephen said, because again, he asked, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And you know he didn't because Saul was there consenting to the death of Stephen. Saul, who later became Paul. And not once do you ever hear God bring up what Saul did. He confronts him on the road to Damascus. Why are you persecuting me? And Saul's like, what are you talking about? He thought he was doing the Lord's work. And then, but after he, God say, you never, Paul brings it up a couple times, but you don't ever see where Jesus brings it up. You don't ever see that. So who are we? Because I'm supposed to be an imitator of God. I'm supposed right. to do what he does, talk like he talks, forgive like he forgives. That is how we are supposed to be. And then turn to Matthew 18. 21 through 22. Matthew 18, 21 through 22. And again, if God told us to do this, we can do it. We just are not supposed to do it in our flesh. And too often times we try to, we look at our own ability. I'm like, oh, I can't do that. Of course you can't. Your flesh can't. The last thing your flesh wants to do is to forgive somebody. And forget what they did to you. That is the very last thing your flesh wants. Your flesh is like, mm, no, we're going to plot. I'm going to get you for this. But no, the Spirit of God says, forgive it and let it go. Love them. So Matthew 18, 21 through 22. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. That's in a day. That's not a year. It's not a month. It's not a quarter. It's not a week. That's a day. That's 490 times a day. And that's just one person. He doesn't say, how often shall I forgive my brothers? My brother. One. One person. It's not like, okay, so I forgave you seven times today, and then I forgave you like 10, and then I forgave you like 15, and I forgave you like 30 today. That's not a cumulative. That's, that is a 490, 490, 490, 490, 490, 490, 490, 490. Each single person. Because also, if I'm keeping track of how many times I forgive them, I haven't forgotten what they've done. I haven't let it go. Because I'm keeping track to make sure, okay, that's, okay, we're at 480, 481, 482, 490. All right, God forgive you no more. I hit my quota. No, it's regardless. We constantly forgive and let it go. And But we have been brainwashed to think that it's hard to do. Because we're like, oh, I can't do that. That's hard. 
But again, it's not hard. It's hard for your flesh. But we dominate our flesh by walking in the Spirit. And the only way we walk in the Spirit is to have fellowship with God. And that's constant prayer and spending time in the Word and doing what He says to do. And the only way we, in, we imitate God is by walking according to the Spirit. So anything that we do, we can't do it on our flesh, in, our, in our flesh. Everything we have to do, we have to do by the Spirit and the Spirit of God. And thank God for the Holy Spirit. Like, thank God for His Spirit and the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, sometimes you write a text back and you'd be like, delete, delete, delete that. And you'd be like, okay. <laughs> you'd be like, we're just not going to respond. We're going to be like, bless them, Lord, and I forgive, and I, I let it go. So, just a few more scriptures before we finish up here. Luke chapter 9, verse 55. So Luke 9, 55. It says, but he turned, and this is Jesus talking to the disciples because they have just asked, they basically just been rejected by a city and they're like, Lord, can we like rain fire down from heaven on this city? And here's the thing, they know they have the authority to do it. They know they have the authority to call fire down from heaven. And we've seen it in the Old Testament. With, uh, I think it was the Temple of Baal. But verse 55 says, But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are. So what spirit? Are, are we following the spirit of God or the devil? Because that even shows God said, you don't, you don't, you don't realize what spirit you are of you know saying that and thinking that because that's vengefulness. That's not forgiving, that's not letting go. Right. It says, For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Right. So he didn't come to so that even shows. When people are like, Oh, you know, God just took them. I'm sorry, what did that just say? He did not come to destroy men's lives. But to save them. So God doesn't take people before their time. That's right. He doesn't need a little flower in his garden. Yeah. He didn't call them home early. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he don't need another angel. He got a whole army. Yeah. Whole army. Right. A whole army of angels. And first of all, who said we're going to be angels when we get to heaven? Where'd that come from? There's nothing that said, I'm a spirit created in the image of God. So how did... God wanted the angel. We're, like, we're, like when we think about that stuff, it's like, really? Like when we think about the word, and like, y'all know that doesn't make sense. I'm a spirit. Created in the image of God. It doesn't say I'm going to be an angel when I die. But that's what we say. That's what the world says. So that's what the church says. But that doesn't, there's no scripture to back that up. And even a conversation I had with someone, one of my coworkers the other day, she was talking about how she would have never known she had high blood pressure if she wasn't in a car accident. I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? She was like, oh, I never would have known I had, you know, high blood pressure if I wasn't hit by a drunk driver. Ma'am. God does not have to use a drunk driver to tell you you have high blood pressure. He talks to you, and I'm pretty sure there's little things that probably told you, go to the doctor. Right. Go to the doctor. Right. This ain't right. Go to the doctor. Like your body talks to you and lets you know when things are off. Like go to the doctor. 
And then she was telling me that someone else that she knew had back pain. Doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong. Da, da, da. She got in a car accident and all of a sudden she didn't have any back pain. I'm like, God does not use circumstances to heal you. Because in his word it says he healed all. Right. You don't ever see him in the Bible using a circumstance to heal somebody. He lays hands on them to heal them. Or he speaks the word and they are healed. He doesn't use the circumstance. He doesn't use, you know, in the Bible, I mean, someone's chariot, you know, falling over or falling off their horse or whatever the case may be. You know, back then, you don't see that in the Bible. And when I, as soon as I mention, I'm like, but there's no scripture to back that up. She ain't got nothing else to say. Because really, what can you say? Because you're saying you're a Christian and I know you are, or at least, you know, I know that's what you say. But when people are confronted with, is there a scripture to back that up? And then it's like, oh, uh, mm, um, well, like I had another one we were talking about. I think it was fasting or something like that. And she was like, oh, well, my pastor says. And I was like, oh, well, the word says. Well, I just show respect for my pastor, but it's the word. Like the Bible says this. I don't care. Wait, if your pastor's not saying what the Bible says, you go with the word. You don't take a man who's speaking opposite of the word of God. I mean, because who saved your soul? Who died for you? So whose word am I going to go by? The one I gave my life to. And then 1 John 3, verse 10. Because, you know, we also like to say, oh, we're all God's children. Which also isn't true. So 1 John 3 and 10 says, In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Mm. So remember our scripture says, Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. So as God's children, we act like God. The devil's children act like the devil. Says whoever does not practice righteousness, and that's just righteousness is God's you know right way of doing things, is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. So that right there shows who are you imitating? Because if you're imitating, if you're a child of God, you imitate God. So anytime my behavior is that of the devil, oof. What am I acting like? And then my final scripture for today is going to be John 8, 37 through 44. So John 8, verse 37 through 44. And it's funny because in, in uh, my Bible, the title of this section is Abraham's seed and Satan's. So John 8, verse 37. And this is Jesus talking to pretty much the religious leaders. And it says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, and this is Jesus talking, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do, and you do what you have seen with your father. So who did he just call them the children of? Yeah, he called them the children of Satan to their face. He said, you acting like your father. So they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. 
And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. So it ain't, he, called, he said it once. And then he says it again. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. But you know, you notice they, they know exactly who he's talking about. They know exactly what he's telling them. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you understand? Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. I just lays it out. You have your father, the devil. And the desires of your father, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He was a murderer from the beginning, and they're wanting to kill Jesus. So that just shows them right there. Satan was a murderer, and you want to kill me. So really, who you acting like? Because you ain't acting like God, and you ain't acting like Abraham. You acting like the devil. It says, for he was a murderer of the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. The father of it. The father of it. But you know when he started it, he was a murderer from the beginning. That's the first thing he points out. Y'all want to kill? Because even before further in the conversation, he says, but you seek to kill me. You are of your father the devil. And he was a murderer from the beginning. Even that, they couldn't even deny that. The only thing they denied is, uh-uh, we follow God. Uh-uh, we follow, uh-uh. No, we're not. But your actions say you are. Because you want to kill me. And Satan's a murderer. You don't like the truth that I'm preaching to you. Right. Satan's the father of lies. So you don't have a lie over the truth. So again, who are we imitating? Am I imitating and following God? Or am I following the devil? Because as a child of God, I imitate God. I do what God does. I say what he says. I love what he loves. And there's so much more that we could have, you know, dove into. But we get to know him from his word. Because even people have to say, oh, well, God is mysterious. No, keep reading. It says he's a revealer. He has things hidden for us, not from us. Like, he loves us and we're supposed to love. He has authority. We have authority. He's full of joy, just laughing in heaven. So how are we supposed to be down here on the earth? We're not all sad and mopey and, oh, I'm going through this. No. We're supposed to be joyful and full of joy. Even in trials and tribulations, whatever is, whatever is going on. We're still joyful. We're still full of joy. We're still full of peace. We're forgiving and letting it go. We know the word. All of it. The full scripture of the word. But again, we can't be, we don't do this on our own. We were never meant to. We were never intended to. That's why he gave us his spirit. He gave us power. 
the Holy Spirit for power. But you also have to stay filled up. Spend time in prayer. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Just spending time praying in tongues. You ever notice how charged up you are? Like, you come out ready to war or some things. You're like, all right, let's go. Like, I'm ready for, let's go, let's go, let's go. And you even respond to the things in your day different when you're starting your day in prayer. You're more likely to act and respond the way God acts and responds when you spend that time in prayer with him and then go throughout your day. Not get up and go and just go, go, go. And then at the end of your day, after you've done dealt with everything in your flesh, then be like, okay, I'm going to spend time with God. Now, yes, it's important. And yes, you know, we do. But at the same time, you want to start your day in the spirit. It can be in the car. 20, 15, 20, 30 minutes on your way to work. Put on some worship music and just praise God. Pray to him in the Holy Spirit. Get your Get straight. Before you deal with everything else. Because Satan knows. He knows those buttons to push. To get that reaction. Because you ever notice also when you do. You get that challenging person in your day too. But you handle it different. You handle it completely different. And you notice it on the days that you haven't spent time in the word. And the spirit of God will check you. Be like hey you didn't handle that right. And he's like okay Lord forgive me. And you don't go moping in your day over it. You repent. Repent, get straight, and then go on. Because we can get in that of like, oh my gosh, I, I, I messed up or I, I handled this wrong or I didn't do this right. Okay, you, you see where you're weak. But build your faith in that area. If it's, you know, finances, build your faith in that love. Build your faith in that forgiveness. Forgive by faith. That's the only way you can. You forgive by faith. And anytime Satan tries to bring that offense, because he will, when he tries, not if he tries, but when he tries to bring that offense up, no, I forgave, and I pray for them. And when you go to work praying over them, he's like, you know what, let me leave that person alone. Let me leave her alone. Because every time I bring someone to her mind or to his mind, they're going to pray blessings over them. They're going to pray for, you know, healing over over them. So let me just stop. But don't think he won't come back and try it again, though. Because they said he left, and he left Jesus for a season. Which means he was coming back. So that means we always have to be prepared. Which means we always... This is a 24-7 life, lifestyle. Our lifestyle is to imitate God. Our lifestyle. Not just, I'm here on Sundays and Wednesdays and just, you know... In church, because people come to church and then cuss folks out in the parking lot. <laughs> or get on that road and that road rage kicks in or, you know, start, you know. Y'all know. <laughs> or get to the house. And it's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who are you acting like right now? So, we you know, it's not about just I came to church. It's, it's that relationship. We come here to learn and be fed. And to grow, to get instructions for the week. That's what this is for. It's not a substitute for the daily thing. It's not a substitute for daily reading your Bible. It's not a substitute for worship at the house. It's not a substitute for anything else. This is in addition to. 
This is an addition to, like one thing Pastor Mark says, there's, there's saturation, that corporate anointing. That worship this morning, you wouldn't have got that at the house. That time where we just float in the spirit, just thanking God, you would not have got that at the house. Here, this is where it would have been. Here. So that's why that, that daily time and that prayer is so, so important. So important. And even as we as we look at things, so that was one thing for me of like, I know I can spend all night long watching TV, especially if I'm a good show, because my thing recently has been foreign shows, and just be up all night watching them and go to work. And we know we do that as younger folks too, be up all night, out with friends, doing whatever. But are we that way when it comes to, to God and our relationship? Because I said, even with me reading that, he spent all night in prayer. Like all night. And that's not like an everyday thing or a once a week thing, but it's like, have you ever? Just like, and it was that challenge to me, like, have I ever spent all night in prayer and the word and in fellowship with God? And I was like, nope, I have not. And so like, for me, that was a, okay. Okay, because I've done it with other things. So why, why, why can't I, why am I not doing it with the word? And being in the presence of God and being in prayer and praying in the Holy Spirit. It's like, why? Why can't? Why am I not doing it? So, as we, y'all, I'm done. So, as we go through the week, I would, I would challenge you, encourage you, just take a look at, like, okay, how am I? Am I, am I forgiving the way I'm supposed to? And that was one thing for me, even as, as I was preparing this, is like, it was a self check for me. Am I? Loving the way I'm supposed to. Like, am I imitating God? The way I'm supposed to. Like, fully. Not like halfway. Fully. Like, that was one thing Pastor talked about, I think it was last night, at um, uh, First Love Church, was being committed. You know, and he talked about that, was it last Sunday? About being, you know, committed. Being committed to God, committed to your relationship. Because if you're committed, you're going to imitate him. You're going to act how he acts, talk like he talks, forgive like he forgives. And get the results that he got. Because when Jesus spoke, things happened. He spoke to a storm. Storm stopped. Cursed the fig tree because there was no food on it. Tree died. Told Lazarus to come forth from the dead. Did it. He did. So it's like when we're imitating God, we get the same results. The same ones. Praise God. We don't get different. The same. Because we are imitating him and how he is in how he, how he loves us. So God, we just thank you. We thank you for the good father that you are. We just thank you for, for your love. And God, we thank you that we have your spirit, the Holy Spirit, God, and to be imitators of you. God, in, in any areas where we haven't been, where we've been acting like the devil, Father, we repent right now. God, we repent and we turn away. And we are committed to you. We are committed wholly to you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We are fully committed. Fully committed. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Woo! Y'all ready to give? Givers in here in this house. Praise God. Y'all are just 
love to give. 